0: quote unquote, borrowing your parents' phone or mm. having access to certain things on, mm-hmm. on television. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's so, I, I find just our language is also a huge thing that impacts it as well. Um, and how so quickly even our younger kiddos adopt the philosophy of what's like good food versus bad food. And what mm-hmm. healthy actually is, and how healthy is usually coined as not eating sugar and not, um, and exercising a ton and and not eating this and not eating that. Yeah. And
1: where do you think that message is is are starting? Like, I I know I have my own theories, but what do you what do you see?
0: Um. Honestly, like I I think it's kind of a two-fold thing, right? So it's so ingrained in our society and it's so normalized that I don't even think people realize that they're engaging in that kind of diet culture.
1: Welcome to the Art and Science of Eating. I'm Jessica Begg, registered dietitian and clinical counselor. I worked for 15 years in programs for the treatment of eating disorders. I now help those that struggle with emotional eating and their relationship with their body. This podcast is where I answer questions to help people along this bumpy journey to creating peace with both food and their body. Hi everyone and welcome back. I've realized that I've unintentionally started a whole bunch of back to school themed activities over here. Last week on the podcast, I was talking about how this time of year is my new year period of time and I've subconsciously or consciously, I guess, too, made it a total back to school time with a whole bunch of things going on over here at Shift Nutrition. So, first off, this week's episode, I talked to a colleague of mine, Jen, who's a school counselor. I was interested in what types of trends she sees in school-age children's relationships with food and their body, and so we'll just jump into that in one second. And so, other things. Now, if you want to do your own back-to-school learning with me, there's a couple of things going on. First, in my private Facebook group, The Comfy Spot, we're reading The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love by Sonia Renee Taylor as a book club together. So join in if you want to read this fabulous book uh, together with uh, a group of people that are also interested in the same topic, I guess, in The Comfy Spot. And then secondly, we've opened the doors for registration for the Connected Eating Program. So if you've been noodling around thinking, you know what, I'm tired of struggling with food, I want to learn how awesome my body is, join me. There's a link in the show notes that I'll put in there for you to pop you to the program um, where you'll work with me. Now I wish I had another word for this, um, program, because it kind of sounds like a cookie cutter thing, but it's not. It's, um, a bunch of, evidence-based material um, that you'll learn on your own time. So it's videos that you can watch at your own pace. And then weekly, you'll meet with me in a very small group of people. So it's a really kind of small fireside chat really is kind of how I would explain it, where we talk about the topics that you're learning. And certainly, as you're thinking about and making changes in your life, we all talk about it together. And it's actually really small. So you have a lot of time with me. And it's weekly, you get really, really sick and tired of hearing (laughs) me. Um, So the interesting thing is actually just last week, somebody that started the group in the summer told me how anxious she was about starting the group or just kind of had a little bit of, um, I don't know, was a little bit trepidatious about joining the group and she's how surprised she is about hearing other people's stories and what they're working on so she thought it was a really wonderful bit of the program working with others so that's all for the back to school stuff going on here so far I don't know you know September has just started so we'll see but let's jump into the chat that I've had with Jen who works in schools hello (laughs) hello Thanks, Jen, for coming on to the podcast to talk about this topic. It's um, a really important one, I think, Mm -hmm. because a relationship with food starts really early. So it's nice to talk to you about, you know, what you're seeing in schools and whatnot.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, working as a school counselor, I find that just disordered eating and different kinds of tricky relationships with food is starting at a younger and younger age. I'm finding, uh, years ago, I found it was more geared towards middle and and high school, but Mm -hmm. I find it's, it's becoming even more and more so prevalent in our elementary schools, starting at as young as grade three, four. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's just, I, I mean, I imagine it's largely because of, the exposure that they have to social media, like TikTok, mm-hmm. Snapchat, all this other stuff.
1: Do kids have, so when, when do kids get access to that? I, I don't have children. So like, yeah. yeah. When, do, when are they getting I, phones?
0: They're not supposed to legally or the rules, whatever rules we're referring to, they state that you're not supposed to um, give your child access to those kinds of things, especially Snapchat until they're 13.
1: Oh, um, like I as in that. just like a recommendation from f- f- parent recommendations. Yeah. That's yeah, 13 yeah. is kind yeah. of the time. Usually okay usually
0: 13. Um, but I mean, even if they don't have direct access to it, there's, I mean, there's other modes of accessing it too. Like, even if it's on like, quote unquote, borrowing your parents' phone or <laughs> mm. having access to certain things on, mm-hmm. on television. Um, but it's it's um it's so i i find just our language is also a huge thing that impacts it as well um and how so quickly even our younger kiddos adopt the philosophy of what's like good food versus bad food and what mm-hmm. healthy actually is and how healthy is usually coined as not eating sugar and not um and exercising a ton and and not eating this and not eating that. Yeah. And
1: where do you think that message is, is, are starting? Like, I, I know I have my own theories, but what do you, what do you see?
0: Um, honestly, like, I, I think it's kind of a twofold thing, right? So it's so ingrained in our society and it's so normalized that I don't even think people realize that they're engaging in that. Kind of diet culture, Um, but that being said, it is. I think it becomes kind of indoctrinated in families too, and Mm -hmm. um, even sometimes unintentionally from parents. If if um, moms or dads or whoever say that they're going on a diet or yeah, no sugar this or very restricting and very rigid rules. Um, Some of the stories I hear from the kids are that I'm not allowed any chocolate or I'm not allowed any of this or if mm. I have this I have and when they're when their kids their minds just um are very black and white kind of anyways there's not a ton of room for gray area so uh. I feel like w- and and I'm generalizing but it's mm-hmm. usually what I found found and so when they hear these messages from their parents, I think it's that much more internalized. Um, right. So, just the, the power of language is so important. Um, it's important that we're not reinforcing these messages unintentionally to our kids.
1: And you know what, I, this is what I think about as seeing adults in, in, you know, I work with adults that people will say to me that they're not dieting anymore, but they will still hold those things that you're talking about that they'll say, um, you know, I, I just don't eat sugar. And it's like, wow, that's a very diet culture driven phrase, like cut out sugar, knowing that it's a basic building block for everything that happens in our body, but it, it's so some of these things have been talked about so much it's been just normalized that diet culture is is healthy eating and so it's being passed down generation now I I find too like just more intensely it's being passed down
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent and even the term like we use the word diet as just like what's your diet mm-hmm. um but yeah. I think people even have I almost, I almost wonder if um, we we should like coin a different term or something. Because when I say it to, to, when I hear students of mine and clients of mine talking about diets, they almost view it, we come back to language, like view it as some kind of restricting eating habits Mm -hmm. that doesn't include this or that um so yeah breaking down what it actually means to be healthy and it might not be eating less sugar it might be eating more sugar or exercising less right and and not and not feeling like I would I just really encourage my kids to think of that health there's such a mental component to it as well. Mm. And I think the focus often is focused on like the physical body, but we could be doing all the right things, like checking all the boxes on our physical health, but then our our mental health would be so rigid, so black and white, so anxious, so this and that. And I think that that's just as important, if not even arguably a bit more important than so
1: health. do you think that this with the added this is just adding another added pressure on children where we're putting the onus on them to be healthy and that now not only are they having to work worry about homework that they're worried about what they're eating do you think that that's a possibility in terms I of mental that, health
0: yeah like I I think it's that's a. That's a good question. I think that, um, it definitely depends like on the kiddo. Some people when they experience anxiety and, or depression or other things, then the comorbid concern becomes eating because that's how they, they cope usually. But, um, that's, that's not always the whole case. Like sometimes they are exposed to the messages that you and I were talking about and then that's how it it develops but um i just think that there's so much false information out there and even myself i find that i don't know all the answers and i think to some extent like our society feels as though we know what's healthy in this and that mm-hmm. but and then we just tell those things to the people younger than us. And then they internalize it. And then it almost comes into kind of the blind leading the blind. In a
1: way. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause there, there are nutrition programs within the schools. How do you think that they're impacting the, the kids and how it's being taught?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's, those initiatives are great. It's, it's tricky though, because I know they, um, before when I worked in the, the public school sector um and again this was just my experience but it was very much teaching like information about it which is great Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this is veggies and you need x amount of water and this amount of veggies and it's good to um but there wasn't a lot of the other way so it was this is quote-unquote good food it's good to get lots of exercise it's good to eat lots of veggies which it is like don't get me that wrong sure, that's great sure but I think there needs to be more work done around um the reverse of that like people get that get too preoccupied with that and I understand the benefits of having those systems into schools that speak about the importance of health and educate about veggies protein fat carbs like all of that but um again, the intent isn't to kind of start that eating disorder thought, but I do feel like sometimes that's where it stems from mm-hmm. um, or maybe not stems from, but it's a, it's a, it it's definitely a tri- triggering point. Yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And I know that um, supporting kids with um, just even disordered eating treatment is such a specialized thing. Thing and a, and a specialized approach, and and we want to be really cautious about the conversations we do have with kids about those things. But I I feel like those conversations about like body image and that need to and impacts of social media need to mm-hmm. start earlier um, with them and even with parents too, right? Because mm-hmm. parents don't know that they're accidentally telling their kid, "Oh, I'm going to go on a diet," or or um, I mean, kids are smart. They pick up on things, mom, why are you eating or dad, why are you eating
1: something different
0: than us for dinner? And they just pick up on those things. Um, and they're, they're always getting led in, in one way or another with these messages. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So you do think because I, I agree with you, I think that there should be nutrition, um, teaching in schools should actually be directed to parents, I think yeah. that, you know, kids don't have any control over what they eat, when they're living at home, for the most part, it, it, certainly, yeah. I guess, in later teens, you could, they can pick and choose, but, you know, what, <clears throat> what's being served for breakfast, lunch and dinner is being bought and served by parents and and i think the messaging around what's happening at home should be directed to parents so that they can they can do the integration right how you're saying like these black and white rules and and how do we break these the 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 conversations around diets with the parents because i think a lot of parents think um you know that I'm it's I'm doing it on my own and I think the 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 adults that I see they they struggle with food and they'll say well you know I I, I my mom never said any comments to me however just because I saw what she was doing and comments that they made about other people's bodies, I intuitively, <clears throat> and I don't think it's even that covert, I think it's really yeah. quite overt to just yeah. jump to, well, then what's my body? How does my body line up against what you're saying is good and bad?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the reality is working with like my young clients and students it's of course school and education and teachers they all have an amazingly positive and and huge impact um but the reality is they spend whatever it is five days a week eight hours a day but they spend so much more time at home Mm -hmm. um and i think that if we really want to invest (laughs) Into education and stuff, just because of the influence that parents have, and I just think it it would be in everyone's best interest just to start with making the home environment most supportive too. And that and that involves just like even like you said, things that aren't even that covert; they're very overt, like weighing your food in front. Mm -hmm. And sure, it's different if I guess maybe you need a certain amount of whatever, if you're baking something, but, um, oftentimes, um, kids pick up on the fact that you weigh this before you eat it, you measure this, you, mm, get the table really? spoons, you and they see the scale, like in their parents' bathrooms and stuff. And, yeah. um, yeah, so it's, it's just about asking, like, why, why does this all matter? Like, it should be about health and, mm-hmm. um, it should be about how, just the classic like health looks different at, at every size, and mm-hmm. um, and I I think that I mean the pipe dream would be to <laughs> kind of start to have our society adopt this philosophy too, and not have yeah have so much of this craziness on social media and and particularly women looking. Um, X size or this amount of height in mm-hmm. men as well. Um, do you want to think,
1: what do you think about the, the, the sexualization of that's happening now in with social media? I find and this is, I don't know what, what other people think about it, but I find that we've, we've come a long ways in some ways, but have gone back in others, like oh, yeah. in terms of what, Women can do in the 80s versus today, in terms of work and whatnot, has changed a lot. But when I think of Lego, for instance, mm-hmm. where back in the 80s when we were kids, Lego was gender neutral, it was just you know a toy that all kids could play with. Um, they even intentionally had girls wearing just again gender neutral clothes playing with Lego, but now Lego is blue and pink um you know there's all sorts of stuff that's going on that if you're a girl you got to do this if you're a boy there's this and there's so much pressure to conform yeah. even just things like makeup tutorials yeah you know some of the stuff that i see on social media is really quite funny about the contrast of when we were teens and the <laughs> videos that we would have done if we had these things and what we did. And then the pressures of girls, little girls right now to have like perfect hair, perfect makeup is just, I would imagine so intensely heavy.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I think you said it perfectly. It's, and this, this kind of brings me yeah, to my next thought is that there is so much pressure to conform as um, like quote unquote feminine or, masculine and and Mm -hmm. if you're feminine it's just it's so funny it's not even it's not funny I I, it's sad but Mm -hmm. I use the word (laughs) funny but Mm -hmm. some of the teens I talk to it's just they know they could just drop a dime just right off all the things that would make a woman attractive and it's um tall but not too tall um tan skin but not not too tan mm-hmm. skin, mm-hmm. Um, long hair, the color of the hair doesn't matter as much. It's more about the style is what I've been taught. I've had the very important thick eyelashes, um, preferably blue eyes, um, but a thin, a thin physique, but you're supposed to also be sporty and athletic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, they can just, and nice skin. It's just, they, they know exactly what, they're supposed to be as "quote unquote" attractive wow. females, and I mean, and the males, the 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 males I speak with. Um, granted, they they don't um, speak to me as openly about these mm. concerns that they're having. Also interesting, um, perhaps because of like as we're talking about how it's maybe not "quote unquote." Um, masculine to to speak how we we feel and again I'm generalizing here but but
1: they're still under the same pressures right but that's interesting that they're not under the same pressures but not able to talk about it
0: yeah so classic yeah
1: Yeah. gosh (laughs) it is like I I I you know parents today have got a lot of work Mm -hmm. ahead of them in terms of how many hurdles there are Mm -hmm. in terms of all of these um just just the prevalence of so much information that that is given to them and their kids and trying to protect them and support them so you know mm-hmm. parents are doing the best they can but
0: absolutely oh my gosh I can, and I'm I'm not a parent either so I can't even imagine so I would again just to in case there's any freaked out parents listening honestly what matters most is just to do your best that's literally, I mean, I talk to lots of parents and they're trying to get all the rules right and balance everything, but um, it comes down to a sense of the feeling of love. We go back to the perception. And as long as your child feels that um, you love them unconditionally, then um, the, the mistakes in language and slip ups here and there, those, I mean, those um, are just can't compare manageable. to them actually feeling that you care right yeah yeah, so. yeah do and can parents come and seek help
1: and support from the school counselors typically is that a, a way Absolutely. that they can yeah
0: yeah 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 we usually work with them on um of course depending on um of course with the whole confidentiality because we would do we would um honor the student's confidentiality with that but if parents do have questions 100% we we make support plans for them we and i mean there's also um private clinicians that do consultations with parents as well mm-hmm. um and i'm really happy to see that more and more parents are are looking for these resources because you don't know what you don't know right and yeah. if you're just trying your best then that's that's great um, and your kids will see that you are trying as well. And your kids will see that you're trying to support them. So yeah, that effort goes a long way with them too. Yeah. Even if they might not show you it as <laughs> directly or they might not say, thanks, mom and dad, or thanks, mom and mom, or thanks. Like they, they'll, uh, I know they tell me these things. <laughs> they yeah. tell me they're thankful. So.
1: Oh, that's, that's so nice. That's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jen. That's great. Anything else that you think
0: that anybody might want to know about supporting Um, their kids? I would just say, hang in there and don't be hard on yourself. I mean, we all make mistakes as humans um, and there's no right and wrong. There's just do your best. So just take that pressure off yourself and just like we say to all our, our kiddos, just do your best and good things will happen. <laughs> <laughs> <That sounds great. laughs> We're all on Thanks.
1: this journey together. Yeah, Thank you. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Talk soon. Talk soon. If you'd like to come on the show to have me answer your question live, or you have a question you'd like me to answer on my own on the show, email me at support at Looking forward to chatting with you all. See you next week. This podcast is for education and information purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team to discuss what is right for you and your care.